Hey, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug. Did you know that I write kids' books? If you have children, nieces, nephews, I have books that are totally available for free or $10 on Amazon for physical copies. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash kidsbooks to get access and learn more about that. Thank you for all of your support. Now let's get back to the show. One, two, three. Hello, welcome to Mixing Music with me, DK. Today we're going to talk a little bit about EQ and compression. We're going to talk about just the basics. We're not going to get super into detail. Um, That's just not me. I'm not super duper technical. That doesn't mean I don't uh, do my research. It just means that I don't believe that the energy that you put into learning about the technical will bring as much returns as if you just put your energy into uh, figuring out what sounds good. Um, Different compressors sound different. Different EQs sound different. Uh, Some people on YouTube say, this sounds better for this. This sounds better for this. Um, They found out through their own experimentation. You need to find out what sounds good through your experimentation. This is huge. And if you decide to try a compressor, um, you need to figure out if you can even hear it Uh, and if it sounds good and if you can't hear it um or you can't tell that it doesn't sound or it sounds it doesn't sound slightly better slightly more controlled in the sense of compression then uh you don't need to put it on um i typically like i typically work in hip-hop as i said before and a lot of the drums are sampled a lot of the instruments are sampled uh samples or triggered or something like that and it's interesting, uh, with that stuff, there's almost never a reason to compress, like a kick or snare. Um, unlike rock, when you're recording an actual acoustic drum set, like each snare hit is a total different volume, so you need a little bit of compression, theoretically speaking. Um, but with hip-hop, and with like 808s, you typically don't need to compress anything, as far as the drums. Um, unless you're going for a specific type of vibe... Like, uh, there's a compressor called the Wolf Compressor. Um, I think it, 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 like, adds a vibe more than anything else, and it's kind of fun to use. Um, but typically, like, that's, that's not something that I do personally. That being said, I do mix a lot of acoustic drum kits, um, and I do use compression on that, um, but I don't really do it for, like, 808s and, like, uh, a lot of, uh, um, the sample drums. Um, I, I do want to say that if you do try compression EQ, again, like I really can't emphasize this enough, you really need to uh, make your decisions and choose uh, the tools that you will use consciously. You, can, you don't want to just put on a compressor or an EQ. And uh, I mean, obviously there's room for experimentation, like, but in the end, you should be able to bypass all the plugins and then turn back on and hear a uh different and uh, you should be able to feel better about the sound that's coming out um if it's different I, I i don't know personally i think that like i don't want sounds that i mix to sound too different because the artist intended it to sound a specific way i just want it to sound enhanced or better um now i say this uh I don't do a ton of additive EQ, actually. 
other than the vocals, like I'll I'll do a lot of like uh, top end stuff. So I have a lot of Universal Audio, and this is just, it doesn't matter what EQ I use, but um, I like to use a uh, uh, the Mog EQ or the Precision EQ and turn it up to like the highest, or like the, the George Massenberg EQ and like turn it up to a super duper high frequency, like 25 hertz, 20 hertz and above. Um, and uh, just like crank the high end a little bit just to kind of get that sparkly stuff out um that doesn't really affect the mid-range at all um i like to do that just to brighten things up a bit but other than that i don't typically add a ton of additive eq because adding eq kind of what from what i've noticed changes the sound subtractive eq makes sound better um but additive eq kind of changes a tone of a thing and and maybe that's kind of like good you know i i'm not saying that i don't add additive eq i don't add to frequency i i I do i still use additive eq but i think my mindset is a little bit different from a lot of other people that's not like a main core process like i don't have to add to a certain frequency for different instruments um typically what i've noticed is in the mid-range and i'm talking like the entire mid-range spectrum, like 500 hertz to 4, 5,000, 4, 5K, you know, all that information is typically pretty vital to the tone of an instrument or a voice. Like I don't, I t- even with the voice, I don't mess around with the mid-range a lot. Like I'll do like really, uh, really thin high Q subtractive cuts to get out little hissy frequencies that bug me. Um, and I'm really sensitive to that. I feel like I'm really good at that just because uh, my speakers are bright and I can hear that um, really well. As well as uh, I do a little bit, like I do, I cut out the low end a lot. Um, this is, again, this is me personally. Uh, a lot of mixing engineers like to leave in a little bit of low end for the um, for the vocals. Um, and some, some people will go as far as to say that it's almost blasphemous to high pass anything right but for me i like to high pass the vocals and i cut out a ton of the low end because unless the singer a singer or a rapper is like right next to you like whispering into your ear like there's no low end in a voice if there's any sort of sense of distance from a vocalist at all there's no low end um so i just try to keep it realistic try to keep it clear and move stuff away so the bass can come out and that's specific for my genre, but I just don't believe that uh, vocals need too much low-end. I did mess around with that. I used to mess around with that a lot, and I've kind of settled down um, after years of kind of uh, doing different techniques and different stuff. I, I do like that kind of that radio-ready, uh, not a lot of low-end in a vocal sound. Um, yeah, and uh, again, back to the mid-range, I don't really mess with that at all. I mean, a lot of the character and tone comes from that. Um, I don't believe uh, it needs to be messed around too much. Sometimes I cut out a little bit of that, like three and a half k, um, with a very broad, broad EQ. They again, when they they say when you subtract, like when you take, when you do an EQ cut, you want to have a narrow band, and when you do uh, a boost, you want to have a broad band. Like again, like these are rules that you don't need to follow. Like there's no such thing as rules. We're trying to get you out of your head of thinking there's a right way to do anything. Uh, because that's not true. There is no right way to do anything. Um, so what what I like to do, I've, I've kind of decided that I kind of like that fairly broad band and cut around 3.5K sometimes if if the vocal is a little bit too bright. Uh, this is one of those things where um, I could tell you what I do, but 
I can't teach you what a good vocal or, you know, what good drums sound like. Like, you have to figure that out on your own. And, like, you can't negate experience. Like, you you, can't, you, get, you have to, like, learn and you have to train your ears and you got to always be using reference tracks and, what, like, and whatnot. But uh, just in my case, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I like. That's what I hear. Um, that's what I um, think that they should be most of the time. And that's part of my sound as well with my mixes. Um, and so with that, I'd like to talk a little bit about compression and uh, say, give you a little fun fact. I discovered this. But did you know that the attack time on a compressor, on a compressor doesn't delay the start of the compression? In fact, um, compression always starts immediately once it pass, uh, passes the threshold, when a transient or whatever passes the threshold. But the attack time measures how long it will take for the compression to reach two thirds of the way, um, two thirds of the way to the gain reduction that it's measured at. So, for example, if something is supposed to be, uh, if something passes the threshold and the uh, the compressor reads it and sees it as it's supposed to cut it, depending on the ratio, it's supposed to cut it negative six dBs, right? So it's supposed to cut it six dBs. Um, so the attack time is uh, based on uh, how long it takes, how many milliseconds it takes for the compressor to reach 4 dBs. Now, that means you're right. So you're thinking, whoa, like that means that if the transient's fast enough, like a snare, and the attack time is slow, it won't have the time to ever reach its poten- like the calculated, the calculated uh, gain reduction. And that is exactly right. So sometimes, like for example, a snare, we'll keep using this example, the transients are very quick, and if you have a slow attack time, it doesn't allow for the compressor to hit all the way as it has calculated. It cuts, it starts coming back down, starts releasing the compression before it even gets all the way there. But for things like vocals where they're, they're or like, horn, or like I don't know, something where it's a little bit more longer, bass, vocals, um, where it's not like super fast transients, then uh, typically that attack time is measured, again, like it's usually measured by uh, the amount of time. So that time is based on how long it takes the compressor to reach two-thirds of the way to uh, to the to the gain reduction that it was calculated to get to. So that's kind of interesting, right? Um, so all compressors start at zero, um, and here's another thing that I think is interesting. I've kind of discovered over the years, some people would like to say that compression thickens up an instrument. Uh, I kind of find compression to do the opposite most of the time. I find that compression kind of thins things out, and I have to thicken things back up. Uh, if I, you know, um, and I, I, I honestly think you guys should um, do some experimentation with this uh, and let me know what you think. But uh, I honestly, most compression, most compressors, they don't thicken things up for me. They thin things out. I mean, obviously, you can play with the attack and release. And I like the way that uh, compressors hit. Like, I love the distressor on an acoustic snare. Um, And I like the way that sounds. Uh, And it doesn't, like, thin it up in the sense that it's, like, unusable. It just, the attack, the feel of it, the vibe changes a bit. Um... But it doesn't make it, it doesn't like add 200 hertz to a snare. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't thicken it up. Um, 
typically like again compression is just turning down volume so realistically speaking like it doesn't just let the low end through and uh it like it equally well typically um most compressors will equally compress all frequencies together so the whole thing just gets quieter they're like theoretically speaking it shouldn't really change too much um now like if you put in a fairchild plugin then they add some saturation and stuff so there do, it, I there's something to say about that but that being said like I don't believe compression is the go-to end all winner of everything like you don't have to put on compression if if you can't if it sounds good without anything I okay I'm going to be honest with you like I I'll say this a bunch of times as well I think one of the hardest skills in what we do is knowing when not to do something Does that make sense like Knowing and realizing, okay, this sounds good enough. I don't need to do anything. Like, I feel like that's one of the harder skills that nobody really talks about, that nobody teaches. I feel like as a mixing engineer, that's like your bread and butter. Like, you need to know when not to do something. You need to know when you don't have to EQ something because it sounds decent. Like, okay, for a beat, for example, a beat maker, a producer who makes beats typically mixes his own beats a little bit um, and they're typically trying to sell their beats so it's in their best interest to mix it down the best that they can yeah you got their beat you got their stems but it's probably mixed to a certain degree just because they want to sell it to people they want people to think it sounds good now if you go out of their way if you go out of the way and make it sound different um, and change from the original vibe as well as uh if you start making changes to it, not really knowing what you're doing, like this is like, and yeah, like you should know when not to do something. A lot of these samples, they sound good already. These beat stems, they sound good already. Uh, not, it's not perfect. Usually the low end is a total crap show. And, um, but, but typically like most things, like they have a vibe. Now I will say that sometimes people layer kicks and snares or whatever. And, and people will ask me how I got drums to sound better. And I just say like, hey, like I just deleted a bunch of tracks like or muted a few tracks. <laughs> like you had you had like six, six kicks going. I just muted three of them. In fact, I muted five of them, actually. And uh, we only kept one. And I just made that one sound real good. Like there are times that I do that. But in general, um, things producers make things sound good on purpose they're trying to they're trying to get a vibe and we got again it goes back to respecting that vibe um i think that eq and compression are really really good tools i think they are often overused um and i think that uh in general when here's another stupid little thing in general when people boost the top end they don't boost at a high enough frequency like you should be doing like if you want to boost that top end like Get an EQ that can do like 20 hertz and above and like hear that. And you can crank that um, like almost like 10 dBs and it would still sound good. Like you should experiment with that. Tell me how it goes. Um, anyway, that's it for today's episode. Uh, make sure you hit me up on Instagram if you have any questions or want to hear about my opinion on a specific topic. Um, my Instagram handle is at D-E-E-K-E-I-D-K mixes. So it's D-K mixes. And DK spelled D-E-K-E-I. Um, and, or you can email me at dkmixes at gmail.com. Uh, so with that information, go out and practice. 
go out and uh, train your ears. Go and mix for your friends. Um, if you're new to this game, like just do it for like do it for free. Do it for dirt cheap. Do it for like five bucks a mix. I don't really believe in doing things for free, um, but at the same time, sometimes you just gotta hustle to get in the door. You know, um, I I just do it. There's no other way to learn. Like again, you can't negate experience. You have to just do it. So don't just believe me and try it on your like. Go go ahead and use it. Practice. You know, download some stems. If you really really need some stems. And you don't got any ac- you don't have any access to like anybody anybody that can give you like a session or willing to work with you, then hit me up. Hit me up on Instagram. I'll send you a Google drop uh, Google link with a uh, with one of my sessions from one of my artists that I'm working with. You know, with their permission, obviously. Um, and I'll give you stems to work on. Like if that's what you want to hear, I'll give you feedback on a mix. Um, send me an MP3 of your mix at, to my email. Um, DK mixes at Gmail and like I'll listen to it. I'll be I'll be genuine you know I'm here I'm growing with you guys I have a lot to learn from you um, and we're learning and then this together like this is a subjective art that we do um, and sometimes we all need a little bit of uh, affirmation a little bit of uh, that uh, that confidence to keep going um, and knowing that we're on the right path someone to tell you we're on the right path and uh, sometimes you just need to work on it. You just need to practice. And this is one of those things. You really just need to practice. Anyway, that's it for today. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, stay saucy. One, two, three. This episode of Mixing Music with DK has been brought to you by LaunchPod Media. If you want to start a podcast, make sure to start it right with LaunchPod Media. Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.